If you have your Bibles, open them with me and turn to Jude. We're going to start at verse 3. The book of Jude, verse 3. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. I love how he starts by saying, you know, I wanted to talk to you maybe about a, a, a nicer message, but I had to tell you the truth about um, this, uh, this contending for the faith. What does that mean? Fighting for the faith, defending the faith, taking a stand for the faith. As I get to say, I would have, I would have loved to just be able to give you some nice message that that you know that everyone went home and everyone felt good, um, you know, and, and we're all we're all happy and and you know there was nothing like difficult in the message. But he's like, I, I couldn't do that. I had to urge you to contend for the faith. Um, Jamin, I don't think I've ever preached for three hours. That is a long time. Um, but I'm sure I could probably do it. Actually, I suppose that's not true because I, when I teach my class at GNU, it's three hours. So I guess I have done that a lot. And if you're one of my students, you're like, oh boy, we're starting up again soon. Um, so Jude is, is, he's urging people, he's saying, guys, we have to, I want it to just be about our salvation, but we have to contend for our faith because in verse four, certain men, whose condemnation was written about long ago, have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. There are two things that he points out here if you're taking notes. Number one, they change the grace of God into a license for immorality and they deny Jesus Christ. Those are the two um, earmarks, I guess you could say, of apostasy, right off the top. And how many do you, how many of you know that we hear, especially today, and this was going on back then, so this is not a new thing. I know people are like, well, the world is so bad. Yeah, the world is bad, but it's the same stuff that's been going on since Jude was writing. People who take the grace of God, God's amazing grace that grace that he bestowed on us to be an empowerment for us not to sin people use it as a license to sin right how many you've heard it oh how many know you know that god's grace covers it all um i talked about it last week uh, something that's that's false that people that say you know the grace of god it covers our, our past present and future sins like like we don't even need to repent anymore it doesn't even matter anymore because of God's grace. Um, Sheba, I'm going to get to that. Actually, let me get to it now. Um, so basically, the, the word apostasy, before I continue reading, the word apostasy means a rebellion, a defiance, and a, a, an abandonment of an established system. So that means that there is... There is a system that's in place. In this instance, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Christian faith. Everything that we believed. Everything that we've believed uh, um, um, since, since the beginning of, of you know, when, the, when the word was, the final scriptures were being written. Everything we believed that since Jesus Christ was on the earth throughout all these thousands of years. And it's this abandonment of this established Jesus. Let me, let me tell you, put it this way. 
Jesus Christ is the son of God. Jesus Christ came to earth in the form of a baby. He made himself human um, and lived, was born and lived as a human, just like the rest of us did, and then died the, a death that we should have died as sinners. He died on that cross and then he rose again. He rose again. And because of him dying, and, and that's why if you notice, um, a lot of other religions, they will um, acknowledge that Jesus lived, acknowledge that he was, yeah, he's a good teacher, he was even a prophet, but when it gets to the point of him, even some of them say he even, you know, died the way that he died, but when it comes to the point of him resurrecting, because that would entail that he is incarnate, that he is divine, that he is uh, um, um, the, he's the son of God. And because as soon as you admit that, then everything here, you are bound to believe it. You cannot believe something outside of this word if you believe that Jesus Christ on the third day was raised to life and is now seated in heavenly places on the right hand of the Father. Though I, I think sometimes he might be standing ready to come back. So if you believe those things, um, you have to therefore believe the whole word of God. So people who don't claim that Jesus Christ was the son of God, or they don't claim that he's the only way. But what did Jesus say of himself? I won't make you answer because it'll take too long. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father, but by me. So anytime you have a person who says, oh, you know, Jesus, he was a good man, but you know, there's many ways to heaven. How many times have you heard that? That's apostasy. That's apostasy. Yeah, exactly, Sheba. It's both. It's what he did and it's who he is. What he did was die and take the sins of the world on his shoulders and then was raised to life. And it's also who he is, which is the son of God. Um, right? Amen. Amen, Ro. Hey, Jill. Good to see you. Um, let's keep reading Jude. So they, they, two things, if you're taking notes, they change the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ. Because again, if you are, uh, if you're going to be like, well, you know, yeah, Jesus, he, he's one way, you know, he's not the way, you know, as soon as you start getting into that, and to, as soon as you start getting into that, I'm going to tell you what, what, how this happens though. This, this, if someone is apostate, what happens? It starts by, number one, falling away from key biblical doctrines. That's how it starts. You're going to notice that that's how it starts. It doesn't start that they just come out and say, Jesus is not the son of God. Christian, people who were Christians, they're not just going to come out and say that. What you notice is there's now a falling away. Because remember what apostasy means. It's a rebellion, a defiance, and an abandonment of this system that we understand is, is Christianity, right? Um, so the first thing that happens is they fall away from key biblical doctrines. So what do you see happening in churches? Making allowance for things that you know are sin, but they're making allowance for these things. Or they're saying, well, you know, 
Um, we need to be more accepting. We need to be more... Uh, I don't even know what, what people say anymore. Um, you know, we, we need to be more uh, more inclusive. And so they what they do is they veil condoning of sin under this covering of love and acceptance. Because every Christian wants to be loving. Don't we want to be loving? You know what Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians... Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, that if you do all this and you're without love, you're like a clanging symbol. So, so we're always afraid that we're not loving enough. And so it's, it's under this veil of love. It's under this veil of, of acceptance. And, you know, we want to build bridges and we want to, um, you know, I see, I don't even know because I can't, I can't think in that way, but, but you, I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, and so they start to make room for all of these things that you know are sin, but then what ends up happening is you're like, well, you know, maybe we misunderstood what the Bible says. But can I, can I assure you of something? The Bible is the most verified book that you could possibly have. The most verified by every kind of verification. I mean, I, I, was, I taught a class in GNU where we talked about this, where we talked about how we can be sure that the, the, the canon of scripture, that everything that's in this, this Bible, that we could be sure that it's, it's right and it's true. It is, it is so verified. You can, please, do not not have that confidence. Be confident that we've got it right. Now, that doesn't mean that, that people haven't made mistakes over the years. They have. There's been a lot of misinterpretation. But once you start claiming that's something that is clearly written in the in the scripture as sin, as well, you know, actually, um, you know, the definition of that word, you know, if we look into the original language, you know, the con, and they're, they, they're trying to change everything. Why? To condone sin. That's right, Lynn. 5,000 plus, you, there's no other book. And people believe, do you know that like a lot of the um, 60,000 manuscripts, do you know that people, um, uh, you know, like Greek philosophers like Plato and Aristotle, there are hardly any recorded documents of these guys, but people trust what they say, no problem, no problem. And you have thousands and thousands and thousands of verified documents. You have the eyewitnesses who were there. You see everything, everything that's completely verified. And it's like, well, you know, the Bible, uh, how much can we really trust it? You know, it, it might've been changed over the years. Listen, let me tell you something. The Bible says of itself, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord, what? Stands forever. Let me give the, uh, someone asked about the definition of apostasy. Um, let me, let me read it again. The Greek word, so this is in the Greek language for apostasy means a rebellion, a defiance, and an abandonment of an established system. And that is found in Jude and verse four. So the end of verse four gives you the two, um, the two things that happens in apostasy, which they turn the grace of God into a license for immorality and they deny Jesus Christ as Lord. So basically, yeah, denying the deity of Christ, denying that he was the son of God, denying that he, he rose from the dead. Because like I said, you know, so many religions, that's kind of where there's a, there's a bit of, there's a depart, well, there's a departure in a lot of places, but the main departure is the um, is Christ is a deity of Christ and the fact that he was the Son of God? Um, yeah, it's so 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 to to claim to claim 
that we can't fully trust us. So guess what? Here's the problem. You know what I have an issue with? So you can't, um, you can't, the, the, there are Christians who claim we can't fully trust the Bible, but you're going to tr trust your pastor who doesn't trust the Bible. So you're basically saying you, whoever you follow, whatever minister you follow is smarter than everyone else and smarter than the word of God. That's what you're saying. That's what you're saying. Because if you go to a church where they're like, yeah, I know the Bible says that, but you know, we, we misunderstood it over the years. So that pastor, whoever, I don't even call it, call him a pastor because he doesn't deserve that name. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but you know, the, trying to claim that the word of God, you know, that, that we, we made a mistake or actually it doesn't really mean that. Has anyone ever heard of the phrase deconstruction, which we're not talking about that tonight, but I might in the future. And it's kind of like a thing that I've just been hearing about in recent years where people, people quote unquote, deconstruct their faith. So it's like they have, they have to like kind of rethink everything. Okay. And most of the time when this happens, if someone like had a bad experience in church or they call it church hurt or church abuse. And I do want to, I do want to eventually, I know I want to talk kind of about that subject more in the future, but can I tell you what deconstruction is a code word for? It's a code word for, um, for living in sin, for trying to find a justification for living in sin. That's what, that's all it is. I'm deconstructing my faith. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're living a sinful life and you have to try to justify it. Th that's what it is. Anyways, that, that's a subject for another day. But that always ends up being the case that there is an issue of sin that you are trying to condone or you are trying to, you, you, you want to make it somehow make it right in your own mind. And so you come up with all these different ideas to justify it. That's all it is. So let me tell you, I know I'm, I have a lot of numbers tonight. I'm all like, <laughs> if you've ever taken class with me, you know that that's how I am. I have like, people can't follow my numbers. But anyways, the three most common traits of the false teachers that are warned about in the New Testament, which by the way, every, all the letters in the New Testament, except for Philemon, they all give warnings about false teachers, all of them, except that one. Isn't it interesting? So it must have been a huge problem and it's still a huge problem today. So the three most common traits, number one, denying the deity of Christ. Number two, making allowance for sin. And number three, claiming to have secret knowledge for salvation. Those are the three most common traits of the false teachers of the day. D denying the, the, uh, the deity of Christ making allowance for sin and claiming to have secret knowledge for salvation. And you know, and, the, and the, Philemon, I said it right, I think. Um, turn to 1 John chapter 2. Because a lot of times these false teachers would come in and Paul would warn, warn against them. He called them the, uh, of the circumcision group because they said in order to be saved, you need to be circumcised. But that, that was done away with. That was done away with. So it's like you have these these, these false teachers that come in and make these claims that are contrary to what? To the established teaching. I'm glad you're enjoying it, Jamin. I'm enjoying teaching it, right? That's what apostasy is. You're moving away. It's a rebellion and a defiance of an established system. So Paul already made it clear. And then these guys come in, well, actually, you know, you need to, unless you're circumcised, you're not going to be saved. And Paul's like, no, that's not what it is. First John chapter two and verse 19. 
They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Verse 22, who is a liar? Listen, it is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. There it is. He is a man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you are right off the track. If you deny Jesus is the Christ, if you deny, the, deny that, deny that he's the Son of God, it's over. It's over. And that is a sign of apostasy, but that's usually, typically not the first thing that happens when it comes to... Uh, um, Christians, right? Or people who were, I wouldn't know if I'd call them Christians. Um, I'm writing, verse 26, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. People are, whether you realize it or not, there are people who literally exist to lead Christians astray. Whether they be maybe uh, new Christians, right? Who, who haven't been saved long and so they don't have a full knowledge of the word. Maybe people who are more w weaker in their faith. We learned about that a couple weeks ago from, from the book of 1 Corinthians. Um, so someone asked about uh, auditing classes at GNC. As far as I know, you are allowed to audit classes. Um, but if I were you, I would ask Pastor Alessia. She is the expert on those subjects. Um, so people, it's like they're, they're, they're willingly or unwillingly, I, I, I don't know, but it's like their, their role in life is to lead others astray, more than likely, because they want to take others with them down the path of destruction so they're not alone. Have you ever heard the phrase, misery loves company? So people don't want to be alone in their sin. So what a lot of times they'll do is they'll try to they'll prey on people to lead those people astray. So now everybody's lost in their sin. It, so someone asked the question, is heresy the same thing or the step before apostasy? Heresy, I mean, look, heresy, um, thank you, Pastor Alessia, for, uh, for giving me the email address. That's okay, Lauren. Everyone, I, I appreciate everyone helping out. Um, so, I mean, when you're saying things of heresy, I think it's kind of like, it's kind of like wrapped up in the same thing, I would say. That it's like, but it's like I said, the first the first mark of apostasy is you're falling away for, from key biblical doctrines. So, in other words, heresy will start to come in, right? Now, that doesn't mean, because so, an apostate is basically someone that has ab abandoned the faith right? Heresy is more like they're like, they're twisting the, uh, Shiba, thank you for literally taking the words out of my mouth. Twist. Yeah. They're twisting things where apostasy is like, you've, you're departing, but heresy is like, so I would, I feel like if you get mixed up in, in, in heretical doctrines, you're on your way to becoming apostate, right? So you, you have to be very mindful of that. First Timothy chapter three and verse one. Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. I want to read all of it for the sake of time. Uh, but verse 5 says, Having a form of godliness, 
but denying its power have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and swayed by all kinds of evil desires. So again, usually it, it, it tends to be people who are caught up in their own sin and therefore try to convince other people that this is acceptable and leading them down this path to go astray. Look at the words. The kind who worm their way into homes. That, that's what it is. It's a worm. They're not, they're not honest people. They're not upfront people. They're, they sneak. They sneak in. They worm their way in. I mean, it, it, we have to be so mindful when we start hearing things that might not sound right. Okay? I don't, don't ignore that. If you're hearing, whether it be a church, whether it be a pastor, whether it be a minister, and you're like, I'm not sure about that. I don't, I don't, uh, something's not sitting well in my spirit. Don't ignore that. Don't ignore that. But I'll get to that in a minute. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 4. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one uh, you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. So people, unfortunately, they, they're like, oh yeah, that sounds good. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. Right? Verse 13, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. Wow. The wordage there is really, it really stands, stands out to me. Remember, they sneak their way in. They worm their way in. They're deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, verse 14, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. Oh, God is love. Amen. God, God is a loving God. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us, to take our place. But do not allow the love of God to overtake the, the, the justice of God. Their end will be what their actions deserve. People don't like to talk about that. That's right, Pina. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, talks about Eve, how Eve was deceived. Because of the way that the serpent spoke to her, it says, um, Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning your minds may be led astray from your pure and sincere devotion to Christ. So the way that he worded it, it was worded in deception. And she began to doubt. And that's exactly what happens. Oh, you know what? Maybe we did get that wrong. Maybe that isn't a sin. You know, um, oh, Lord. <laughs> hey, you know, there's a rule about no jokes, right? Okay, maybe not here on the broadcast. Um... I call it the Lauren clause. <laughs> oh, anyways, <clears throat> um, you see how that works? What? Oh, um, you know, maybe that isn't actually sin. Um, you know, um, 
you know, David and Jonathan were so close, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, the, uh, what, 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 what does it say? It says, oh, you know, it was more, better than the love of a woman. You know, what does that mean? Right? They go into all of this stuff and they lead people astray. Hi, Melina. Welcome from Florida. They lead people astray. Oh, you know, the, um, the centurion, you know, that servant, you know, it might have been like, you know, might have been more than a servant. You don't have any proof of that. No proof of that. But that's what people say. They go, they, they take stuff and they twist it and they change it and they turn it and they say, well, you know what, uh, maybe this, and they lead other people astray and they cause people just in the case of Eve to doubt. Did God really say that? Is that really a sin? Is that really bad? Go, let's go back to Jude because I want to read you. Um, I want to continue to read uh, what Jude talks about and, and, Kind of what, I, what I've been alluding to. Um, he addresses it. Jude 5. Uh, let's actually, let's, um, let's skip down. Verse 7. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. You know, actually, um, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, their sin was, um, you know, they weren't hospitable. And, um, you know, so actually, yeah, okay, yeah, that, they weren't, they weren't hospitable. But Jude makes it clear, they gave themselves up to sexual immorality and what? Perversion. I'm sorry, my friends. I'm sorry if you're watching this and you're struggling. It is a perversion. And I have good news for you that you could be set free and you don't have to be dead or bound anymore by sin because here on this broadcast i don't sugarcoat and if it bothers you i i i don't apologize but if you are struggling there is a god who wants to help you who wants to deliver you who wants to heal you but the the word is clear it is perversion no matter how much like Sheba said that you change the word for love. Go ahead. Try to dig deep and find ways to justify your, your sin and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire in the very same way these dreamers pollute their own bodies. If I were you, I would, I would, you know what? I'm just going to read the whole thing. Whatever. We, we, we won't go over time. I literally talked about being like disciplined and stuff with time, but whatever. <laughs> Verse 10. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what things they do understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals. These are the very things that destroy them. Because ultimately, people give themselves over like we're animals. All we do is, what, what do animals do? They eat, they sleep, and they mate. That's all they do. So you're giving yourselves over to these animalistic desires in which your flesh just takes over and you have no control over anything you do. That, that's, those are animals. 
Um, that's a good question. Do you think Lot was part of the perversion because he offered his daughters up to the men? I, I think... I'm not sure why... Um, I'm not sure. I think he offered his daughters up because he probably... I believe he, he offered his daughters up because he knew how perverse what they really wanted to do was. So he's like, please, please don't do something so perverse. T take take the women. But they didn't want the women. But apparently they, their, their biggest sin was being inhospitable. Inhospitable to women, I suppose. Uh, Pina, I am in Jude and verse 10. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These men are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest, slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind. Can I, can I stop for a second? Yeah, it was, exactly, John. He, it was because it was Lot knew the perversion. He's like, I don't want no part of that, especially for those angels, um, for any men, because it was, it was so perverse, right? It was such a wicked thing that he couldn't, even though he lived there, he couldn't, it's like, I cannot participate in this. Hey, Steph, welcome. Do you know that um, this scripture that says clouds without rain, do you know that there's like a whole teaching about that? But it's so completely out of context. It talks about like, um, I guess you could say how to, how to describe it. Um, people who preach about healing or prosperity. Exactly. Yeah. My, my mom echoed what, what I was uh, trying to say. He knew they were angels of the Lord. He couldn't imagine such sin. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sheba, they, these are, they're wicked people. And so they use this scripture to try to talk about people who talk about healing and prosperity that, that were, were heretics and false teachers. Okay. First of all, first of all, there's none of that. I don't under, you know, I don't name names, but how in the world can you just read everything I read and think that it refers to that? But again, if you, if you don't understand the word of God, you will think that, that people who believe in healing and prosperity are heretics because you don't understand the word of God. But the clouds without rain, that's not what it meant. Blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame. Wandering stars from whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. That's hell. <laughs> Man. Verse 16, these men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Here, here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. How does this happen? How does it happen that these, these kinds of people, what does it say? Remember, secretly slipped in among you, wormed your way in, deceiving people. How does this even happen? Turn to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 10. For there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group, which I uh, explained before. They must be silenced, 
because they are ruining whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach and that for the sake of dishonest gain. So in other words, basically, um, they wanted money out of people. So they, they came up with all of these false heretical teachings for, for money purposes because they were greedy, which is a, the source of a lot of problems. Um, verse 13, listen, this testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure... See, Shiva mentioned accountability. What did Paul just say to, to Titus? Rebuke them sharply. Accountability is saying, is rebuke. It's saying, no, 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 no. You can't say that. You can't teach that. And it's not, it's not like a... You're not beating people down. You know, you, you we want people to... If, if people are starting to wander from the faith, we want to bring them back. We don't want the devil to have them. But obviously, if they refuse, you know, and I think Pastor Steve talked about how to deal with um, people who are sinning in the church and, and, and the process that we deal with. So we, we want people, we want to be able to restore. We don't want them to, to fall away. But there is an accountability. You have to rebuke. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Now, people stop there. Here we are again with a bad chapter break. Because Paul's not finished his thought. Right? He's not finished his thought. Because a lot of times, what do we end up doing? We end up... People sit around um, and all they do is they write like they have like YouTube accounts dedicated to like they're a false teacher, they're a false teacher. Everybody's a false teacher apparently, even though according to the scripture, we see very clearly what false teachers are. Just to let you know, I think I explained it pretty well. But everybody's a false teacher. Now, can I just, I'm going to say this. If you have a friend and you see that they're listening to a preacher who is very clearly teaching things that are not in the word, it's okay for you to say, hey, listen, you know what? That person's probably not the best one to, to, to listen to because they're, they're, they have some weird doctrine that's not correct. Let me show you the correct thing. That's okay. But there's so many Christians who just make it their life mission that all they're the false teacher police and 90... 5% of the people they're calling out aren't actually false teachers. So, you know, I think they get some kind of like, some kind of weird pleasure in calling people out. I think they get some kind of like weird, um, I don't know, maybe like uh, a superiority thing that they think they're better. So it's like, I'm going to call out this person. Meanwhile, the person they're calling out has saved like, you know, had seen like, thousands of more souls saved than, than they ever will but anyways so let's keep reading titus chapter 2 the thought didn't stop what does he say you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine yeah it is a weird satisfaction it's very strange to me that's why i never i know i don't have any <laughs> funny stuff i don't have any um 
a desire to like start naming people. First of all, I don't have a church. Um, I don't have a worldwide ministry. I'm going to be very careful about coming against people that have accomplished way more than I have. Um, I kind of, I guess I know my place, but what I do is I call out false doctrines. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. What is the solution? You can sit and make a video. This person's bad. This person's bad. Okay. But what have you actually done? To correct the problem. You haven't done anything. Because those people are still just as popular as they ever were. And in fact, you're making them more popular. Because then people are like, oh, I want to hear what so-and-so has to say. So then they get even more views. And they get even more publicity. So I, I'm not really sure what your, what your point is. But what we must do. Call out false doctrine and teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. That's the answer. And Jude, you know, I know Jude seems like a bit of a harsh book, but look at what he says in, in verse 17. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you who follow mere natural instincts, right? Those animalistic in instincts and do not have the spirit. Because what did Paul say in talking about the flesh versus the spirit? That we must die to our fleshly nature and come alive in the spirit. Because our flesh, since we are flesh bodies, we are not yet in our glorified bodies. We are flesh bodies. And if we allow the flesh to win, it'll always win. So there has to be something that comes against that. And that's why we come alive to the spirit. And that's what God's grace does. It empowers us to be freed from sin. So we're no longer slaves to sin. You know, I, I can't stop sinning. Why? Because you're allowing your flesh to control you. But our flesh does not control us. When we are in Christ Jesus, we are submitted to the spirit. Verse 20. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep, yourself, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear. Hating, listen, hating. Even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Another version says stained by sin. So what does that mean? We don't hate the person, but we hate the sin. We don't come against the person. We come against the sin. Quite the opposite from what many churches are doing right now. And there's a lot of them that are rather saying, oh, you know, yeah, everyone's welcome. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. But when you come to Christ, there is a change that takes place on the inside. That you are now a new creation. A new, I'm well, Pina, I'm still in the book of Jude because I've, I've been here all night. <laughs> so the whole book, just read the whole book. It's only 25 verses, right? Well, you are a new creation. The old life, what? Has passed away. But, but what, you know, people are so afraid. Uh, um, um, of, of possibly offending someone. Listen, the gospel, what does it say? 
the gospel is offensive to those who are perishing. Now, that's why everything we do must be done in love, right? Must be done in love. So when we're dealing with sinners, there has to be love there or else, like Paul says, we're nothing but a clanging symbol. But in the case of, of apostates, in the case of, of all these false teachers that I've been talking about, that's a different story. Turn to Matthew chapter 15, because this, I want to I wanna kind of end with this, um, because I've noticed that, like I said, I was talking about calling out false teachers and stuff like that, and there's a reason why I don't name names and all that, and I'm not, I have a pastor in mind who's doing something crazy at his church, but I'm not going to name him, because um, Jesus actually talks about this. Turn to Matthew chapter 15, verse 13. Um... He replied, every plant that my father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. The blind leading the blind. So some, some people are like, no, no, but, but, but. This person's a false teacher. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Hey, listen, Jesus is saying, leave them. They will be pulled up by their roots. And whoever falls for what they're saying, despite knowing the truth, it's the blind leading the blind. You cannot force people. I'm going to say, I don't know who, who this is for, but I feel like saying this because I've experienced this in my life. If you, if you, you, you know, you were at a church where, you know, you know, they're going in the wrong direction and you're like, we have to do something. We have to do something. And you're telling people and you're saying, come on, like, don't you know what the word says? And nobody wants to listen. Leave it, leave it. God will deal with that. God is going to deal with that situation. It's not up to you. All you can do is like what Paul said to Titus, teach with sound doctrine. Correct with sound doctrine. Ultimately, it's the blind leading the blind. There's only so much we could do. There's only so much we could do. You warn people, you tell them what is true, but at the end of the day, if they refuse and they're like, no, you know, the, this pastor's a good man, you know, I know he has their best interests at heart, all right, then it's the blind leading the blind and you're both going to fall into a pit and God's going to deal with it. God's going to deal with it. Matthew 13, there's more. Verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did all the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them into bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Boy, isn't it interesting? Tie up the weeds to be burned. Isn't that a picture of what's going to happen at the end? And tie, gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. What a picture 
of what it's going to look like at the end. That the weeds are going to be in hell and the wheat are going to be in the barn, which is heaven. Hmm. I love it. I love it. What a great parable. What an amazing parable. And he goes on to even clarify it further. Verse 37. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let them hear. I'm looking forward to being in the barn as well. And I love farms. <laughs> I love that it's a barn. That, that's what it is. So you know what? All we could do is exactly what Paul told Titus. Teach sound doctrines. You come against false doctrines with the truth. But the people who are apostate and falling away, God will deal with them. God will deal with them. Apostasy is not going anywhere. I wish I, wish I could tell you that it would suddenly stop. But the answer is, the more we learn, the more we study, the more we teach correct doctrine, we will have that discernment of the Holy Spirit to spot anything contrary to the truth. That's why I sit here and yell at you for an hour every Monday night. That's why we have two services a week at church. That's why we have GNU, to teach the truth so that you know, so that you're going to be able to spot and point out, hey, hey, this doesn't belong here. Rebuke it. Teach the truth. So that you can identify a false doctrine, that you can identify a false teaching. And those people, those apostate people, they eventually fall away. If they're not, if they, if they, if they don't repent and, and be restored, they're gone. So as soon as you start hearing questionable doctrines, you can be sure that someone is going to be on their way to apostasy if they don't correct it. So you better pray that they correct it. Because if not, you know where they're going. They're not going to the barn. I'll tell you that. I do, like Sheba, legit, I can see the barn if I look out my window. When you come over, you'll see. Um, you know what I saw yesterday? I was coming to church. And I, um, so I take like this, this, this road out of my town that has like, it's a, it's a farm, it's like farmland only. And there's a gas station right at the end of it. And someone had a horse in the gas station. Now I'm not sure. I understand that a horse is a way to, um, uh, get around, but I'm not sure what the horse was doing at the gas station. I don't know what was happening there, but nevertheless, if you want to know about where I live, um, man. I'm going to end on that because that, that's the parable of the weeds. That, that's what it's all about. That's understanding what we have to do. Teach correct doctrine. Let me read it one more time in the book of Titus. I lost it. Titus is hard to find. It's very small. Oh, here it is. 
Titus 2, verse 1. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. That is the only way. So that's why we can't stop teaching sound doctrine. Because if we don't, then apostasy will eventually be the goal. <clears throat> the goal of the devil, which was <coughs> me choking on my water. <coughs> I'm good, I'm good. <clears throat> I just choked, but that's fine. I was yelling too much. Whew. Teach. What is in accord with sound doctrine? I close with that. That's the only way that you're going to know and be able to spot apostasy. I am great, Ro. I just choked on my water. Um, I want to pray this prayer with people. Because, you know, we talked a lot about sin. We talked a lot about, um, you know, people who are, are being led astray. I don't want anyone to be led astray. I don't want anyone to be led down the road to hell. I want you all in the barn of heaven with all of us. So if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never taken the time to make a decision and say, I, I wanna come into right relationship with God and you do that through faith in Christ Jesus, like I said earlier in the broadcast, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father but by me and the bible says it in, in the book of romans if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that jesus christ is lord you will be saved so if you're not sure if you're saved or you once were and you're like man i let i let things lead me astray i let bad doctrine lead me astray i want to come back now's your chance now's your chance to come to the big barn in the sky with the rest of us so pray this prayer out loud out of your mouth. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. That's why we speak it out loud. And there's some people who have never prayed before. So that's why we do this prayer, just to help them. It's just a way of helping them. So pray this, repeat it after me. Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and my Savior. I choose to follow you and not turn back. Thank you that I am now saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, please message this, this account um, and we're going to get a gift to you. And if you did pray it, welcome to the family of God. Um, you know, I, I, I always, my prayer always is that somebody who's watching this or listening later or something, um, will, will come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why that's, that's really, I do this for, for teaching purposes, but at the end of the day, it, it's, it's always about seeing souls come to Christ.